This is the Hockey News Podcast. Hello and welcome to a special edition of the Hockey News Prospect Podcast. I'm Steve Nellis. That's Ryan Kennedy as always. Ryan, how are you doing? I'm doing great. We are ramping up for World Juniors and I'm very excited. This is this is going to be great. It's going to be nice to return to it. It's True. been obviously a few years uh, for everything going on and uh, it, it's... We're going to see the return of fans, at least at this point, obviously. Things are kind of starting to ramp up a little bit. It's a bit concerning, but it doesn't sound like we're going to have to worry about having no fans because as of right now, it's going to be a full attendance, which is really cool. Um, so that, that's that's nice considering last year, it just it felt wrong watching Canada and USA for gold medal, the World Juniors, and literally no one to celebrate. Yes, yes. I'm sure the kids were happy to be able to play at that point, but definitely a weird environment. It's like I remember when at the the World Juniors in Buffalo a couple years ago, that was really cool because you got so many Canadians there in the States, but the Americans were just, they were trying to be louder the whole time. I think that was so cool. And then we yeah. got the outdoor game. It was a good mix of everybody. Of course, everyone complained about the traffic getting home across the border. I believe there was like a massive car accident. Or no, there was one of the days of the junior, maybe it was the quarterfinals. There was a massive car accident and like people were so late to the games and mm. it was brutal. Hopefully we don't have to worry about that this year. So... Uh, all right, so how we're going to do this is we're going to go through team by team, then we're going to look at a couple other big storylines in the tournament to watch. So let's start with Austria, who, by the way, looking at our World Junior uh, preview uh, issue, you can find it now. Uh, fantastic issue. It's one of my favorite of the year, definitely one of your favorites, 100%. Um, so uh, the one disclaimer, though, we do have to re- – this is put together pretty early, so there will be guys that w- might be mentioned in the issue itself that – didn't make the team for various reasons so uh it is what it is but uh all right let's start with austria a team that uh last year was kind of fun we saw some solid goaltending uh out of sebastian renishitz but that i'm not sure that was that was pretty irregular based off of what we've seen of the stats and he went to the whl and kind of just got crushed now he's back uh, in europe uh i guess what's the storyline you're watching for austria well, for Austria, it's can they survive? You know, last year there was no relegation uh, because they didn't have the, the lower tournaments, so you didn't have a promotion either. And, you know, so Austria was kind of playing with house money. And, you know, even without Marco Rossi, they were fine, but they probably would have been the team that was relegated if they had, you know, done that at the tournament. So for me, I, I think it's just a matter of, you know, their, their key game will be against Germany. Uh, and I'm suspecting Germany will win, but you never know. And I would say that Austria has a, a fair amount of returning players, which is nice. And then they do have some talent uh, that will be new. Uh, Vincent Rohrer, uh, who has been really good for the Ottawa 67s this year. I'm very excited to see what he can do on the international stage. And then... Uh, I guess I'll just jump into my player to watch sure. for Austria. Marco Kasper, who has been playing in Sweden this year. I, I would say he's been one of the the most pleasant surprises mm-hmm. of the 2022 draft class so far. Uh, you know, good size, goes to the net, has a real scoring touch. So he's really going to be counted on for offense again uh, for the Austrians. I think they only scored one goal well, they the did. entire tournament. He got an assist. And he got an assist. He was in on it. Um, 
obviously they're going to hope for more goals uh, than than that this season, and uh, they're going to need them because, again, they are one of the minnow countries, and the, the competition is going to be pretty fierce. The, kind of the, the sense I was getting from talking to people from Australia last year was they were just kind of using that as a, let's just prepare for the next year tournament. And that was kind of like a, a blessing for teams that were more of the, one of the minnow countries last year where they didn't have to worry about relegation, but yeah. you do have to worry about that now. So that yeah. actually does matter. A team like Austria has to do well. Uh, with that being said, what your expectation for them i mean my expectation is that they are going to play for relegation and i would i would have them as the underdog in that series but having said that you know when you get to that relegation tournament depending on who your opponent is they might not be in a great headspace because they don't want to be there either so it you know it's a two out of three series you never know all right, going to move on to Switzerland, a team that's always one of my favorites of the World Juniors, mostly because <laughs> they're just, I don't know how to explain it, but it's just they kind of just find a way to surprise at every tournament. Uh, we've seen them at the Men's World Championships have a couple good runs. They've had a, a pretty solid women's hockey program for a while. So a team that you're not necessarily expecting to always do well uh, has typically done well, but this year probably not is what I'm getting out of this. Yeah, and you know, for me, the storyline with the Swiss is, is this the end? You know, uh, of them being in that top row. Uh, yeah, hot take. I know. And But going back to what I said about Austria, you know, if Switzerland has to play for relegation, what's their headspace going to be? Are they, are they going to be able to survive? And, you know, they've got some talent. They've got a couple of NHL draft picks, you know, uh, Simon Knack, Brian Zanetti. And, you know, they do have some experience back there, guys like Lorenzo Cananica, who uh, is undrafted, but mm-hmm. a, a decent junior player. So the squad's not bad. The goaltending, I'm not really sure about. Uh, I think they might have some problems there, especially because they are in kind of a group of death with Sweden, Russia, and, yeah. and Team USA. Um, but I, I do worry that the Swiss are going to have to play for relegation. Um, the one player I am super excited to watch is defenseman Leon Bixell, hmm. who is up for the 2022 draft. Big kid, very mobile, hits like a truck. Uh, he, too, has been playing in Sweden this year for Lexand. And uh, I, I just think this would be a fun stage for him, you know, especially playing against some of the bigger countries where you know, he's going to face top competition. And again, he's got that awesome physical dimension, which you know, we don't necessarily see as much in prospects these days as we did in the past. You know, a lot of defensemen are so gifted offensively now that they make their impact uh, sort of all over the ice. So, you know, Bixell with that physical dimension, I think it's going to be really fun to see what he can do. And, you know, we've seen very uh, aggressive Swiss teams in the past. Um, sometimes they, they've gone over the line. Uh, but I, I think Big Sal is one of those players that it's it's just going to be really fun to see what he can do at, at, at a young age. We've seen in the past of the World Juniors at Switzerland, well, I should say all levels, this is kind of a Swiss thing to be really defensively strong. And it's this is not the sense I'm getting from this team this year. But it also is not crazy to think, that, yeah, they might have to play for relegation. There was, they played against Germany, I think it was 2015, uh, in Toronto. So they've it wasn't that long ago they were kind of in this situation here. But I guess if you had to pick Switzerland or Austria, I, I'm, I'm going to guess you're picking Switzerland. I would give Switzerland the advantage for for sure, and of course, you know we're we're going to talk about Slovakia soon. There's always the chance that the Swiss beat Slovakia in the round robin. I don't think it's likely uh, because I really like this Slovakian team, but you know you have to keep those options open. That I mean, it is an, in, an unpredictable tournament. All right, moving on to Germany. This is a team where the 
could have had Stutzla, they could have had Paterka, they could have had Reichel, and they have none of them. Last year, they didn't have Moritz Sider. This is a team where it's like, man, I feel really bad for them because, like, in the end, like, they didn't get relegated last year, so they don't have to worry about it. But last year was probably their year to surprise. And, unfortunately, they were kind of stuck in a situation where they they – started as bad as he possibly could have asked got absolutely crushed uh, against canada mm. had a rough game against finland and, and they were missing players so that was kind of just an unfair situation for them so i guess when you're looking at this group here what, what are your thoughts what, what are you looking at well you know the absence of reichel and paterka is, is obviously the big storyline we, we knew stutzla wouldn't be there because i mean he's been so good for ottawa um but it depends some sense fans hate him so <laughs> do they uh, it's literally a, a talking point every day on twitter that's wild to me um yeah, with Germany, uh, I, I think, yeah, they are in a tough spot. They're kind of lucky that they have Austria in the pool as well. Uh, they can kind of beat up on their Alpine neighbors. Um, you know, they do have a, a decent amount of players coming back, but it's gonna it's a lot of pressure on Flurry and Eliash uh, down the middle. He was so good mm-hmm. on that top line with Stutzla and Paterka last year. Uh, I think he was one of the top point getters in the tournament. Um, but this year... They're not going to have that firepower. And, you know, they can build on last season, even though they don't have that top-end talent. Because, as I said, they do have that experience. They went through so much adversity with all the COVID quarantining earlier on in the tournament, as you mentioned. But they did play in the quarterfinal for the first time in program history. So they have something to build off. And... Yeah, I, I think it's it's too bad that Reichel and Paterka have decided to stay in the AHL. Uh, I understand from you know a career development perspective for them, but you know for us World Junior followers, it's like oh man, that would have been really we're more fun. important than their long term development. Yeah, exactly. What about our enjoyment? Because you could have gone with a top line of Reichel, Paterka, and mm-hmm. Florian Eliash. Um, the player I am going to watch is another returnee, uh, Luca Munzenberger, uh, the big defenseman who uh, was kind of a pleasant surprise last year just based on you know how much he played for the Germans. Uh, physical kind of throwback defenseman, uh, more of the stay-at-home variety. is at the University of Vermont right now. He's an Edmonton Oilers pick, so you know, have fun, Luca. You're going to get interviewed by a bunch of people who in Edmonton who are excited uh, that you are a future Oiler. Uh, but he's going to have to play a ton this year, I think, and and really be on top of his game because the Germans don't necessarily have the depth of most other teams in the tournament. So it's going to be tough. I think they'll survive. They'll probably be cannon fodder in the quarterfinal, uh, but they will survive, and that's the most important thing. I think the one name that I'm definitely watching is Nikita Kwap, the goalie. Uh, totally. He's someone that kind of seems like he'll be in the German national team development or German national team program for a long time. Mm-hmm. Germany's kind of got this thing, like Danny Ostenberg, and actually, a uh, fun fact, uh, he was uh, the goalie that I kind of. I played as him in NHL 2004, and after playing with him, I became a fan of hockey in Europe and international hockey. So that kind of started my whole love for like things like this. Um, and he's kind of stuck around with the German national team for a long time. Uh, Germany has this thing where they're really loyal to the goalies, unless your name is Thomas Grice, who they're basically <laughs> never inviting back to any event ever again. Um, but th- this German team, I guess, th- we were talking about them basically kind of just fighting against Austria to see who goes down, right? Pretty much, yeah. I think that's the most likely path. Um, You know, they got Canada, they got Finland, uh, you know, they got uh, the Czechs. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I mean, maybe they can give the Czechs a run for their money, but I also feel that the Czechs are going to key in on that game as one that they have to win. 
So that's tough. Yeah. So it is what it is for Jeremy. I'm sorry about that. Last year was supposed to be the really fun year. Obviously, it, it kind of just no matter. It, it, it's, it's it ended fun. It, it did, but yeah. it's like, oh man, they should have done better but even if they did better it would be for nothing they weren't fighting to stay out yeah the good news is they probably are not going down so they can yeah. get an extra year of kind of being ready one team though that i think all prospect fans are really excited about slovakia totally. and we look at that team in 2015 and that was uh that was my first time going to a metal game was watching them play sweden i bought tickets for at the uh, at, at the time eric Hanna center for four dollars um uh, Slovakia, Sweden, of course, Slovakia wins. That was a good year. And, and a lot of people kind of called that the best team Slovakia had in about a decade. But now we're looking at this team here, and it's like, well, this team's way more fun. This is going to be super fun. And, you know, the roots of this go back to the Helenka Gretzky tournament in the summer where Slovakia, as co-hosts, went to the gold medal game. Uh, they ended up losing to Russia, but uh, just a really fun run. Uh, Yuri Slavkovsky, Simon Nemich, Philip Mesar, uh, all of them 2022 draft picks. Um, this is going to be the year, I feel, where Slovakia can really kind of assert themselves uh, on this under-20 stage. And, you know, with Slavkovsky and Nemich, you know, you're looking at sort of top 10 guys. Mm -hmm. I think Slavkovsky can be top five. Um you know, just because of his size and his skill and his mobility. Nemich is just a do-it-all defenseman. Mesar, I love his motor. I love mm. what he can provide up front. He's kind of almost like the forgotten, like, of the, the He is guys. kind of, yeah, but but when you watch it, he makes so many plays, mm. you know? So I, he's, kind of, he's very underrated, I feel, at this point. Um, so, you know, for me, it's like, can Slovakia pull off an upset? Again, they're in that group of death. But, you know, sometimes you can catch a, a team napping, and... I would say for that group, you know, you want to avoid Canada in the quarterfinal. Yeah. So you don't want to finish fourth. But you do have Sweden, Team USA, and Russia. So, you know, the challenge for Slovakia is could you upset one of those teams, maybe find yourself in the third spot, and then you're likely playing Finland, who is a really hard out, but at least it's not Canada. Um, so for me, you know, you got all those young kids. The player to watch otherwise, Martin Kromiak, uh, the Los Angeles Kings pick, playing for the Kings and Frontenacs in the OHL. He's a veteran. You know, he's a stronger player. Those are the kids that, you know, we always talk about this being a 19-year-old tournament. So Kromiak is the kind of guy where he needs to lead by example. He needs to put up points. And you want him drawing attention away from the Mesars and Slavkovsky so they can get open and cause havoc. So, yeah, Kromiak, I feel he needs to have a big tournament, and that could really help Slovakia. I do like their goaltending again. I, that's, I've mentioned a goaltending a few teams here. Uh, Some like Kotsky, really good goaltender, um, played in USHL this year. Madison, right? Uh, yes. Yeah, Madison. Yes. He was with Chicago before. He's... We, we know what he could do in international hockey. We know how he could perform. Uh, there's also uh, Eliash as, as the goaltender that we saw at the, the Helenka Gretzky. And the thing about the Helenka Gretzky was, yeah, the best teams were not necessarily there. Canada wasn't there. USA didn't send their best team. But Russia still put a really good team together. And overall, like Slovakia on paper should have probably not been as good as they were. And they made it's it to the final. And a lot of those players are on this team. So yeah. that's a pretty fun group. I guess, what's your overall prediction if you had to pick? For me, I think they're probably going to finish fourth in that pool, and then that sets up 
likely uh, a date with Canada, unless Finland upsets Canada in the round robin. Um, so unfortunately, I don't think it's going to be a long tournament for Slovakia. I'm hoping that they can maybe pull an upset somewhere uh, in the round robin so we get to see a little more of them. But as it is, uh, I think it's just going to be nice for them to be competitive and and be that kind of fun underdog. And the thing is, you know, thinking to next year's tournament, that could be their year to be really good unless somebody like Nemec or Slavkovsky ends up going, like, right to the NHL, which I, I wouldn't put out of the realm of possibility. You never know. Yeah, I, I don't think so, but it's... But you, ne- it's a, you it's never so know. It's so long away, right? That's the thing. There's guys that made the NHL this year like, like that we just probably didn't expect to make it. So There's always a couple. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, my heart says they they make an upset. If they face Finland, I'm saying they win that game mm. and move on. My brain says not realistically, though. Yeah, and that's, that's the one thing about the World Juniors that's kind of unfortunate is that, you know, you do get some great upsets, but then you do have some inevitabilities. We shall see. If Slovakia makes it to the semifinals, we do not expect them to go out there and win that semifinal match. And it's kind of makes the semifinals less fun. Czech Republic. This is a team that uh, David Jerichek is a lot of fun to watch. Um, uh, Good interview based off of uh, your conversation with him. I guess, uh, what's the storyline you're following with this team? Well, for the Czechs, the big question for me is, can they get past the quarterfinal? It feels no. like yeah, <laughs> they never can. <laughs> yeah, it feels like this is a, a program that's kind of stuck in the middle. Uh, you know, they're too good to be in any real danger, uh, but they're just not quite good enough to, to get back into that upper echelon. Um, you know, it's going to be, you know, they've got good goaltenders. And, you know, as you mentioned, on defense, they have David Yerachek, who, uh, again, going to be probably a top 10 pick in the mm-hmm. 2022 draft. You know, they've got some decent firepower, guys like Michael Gutt and Ivan Ivan. Um, That's his real name, by the way. Yeah, it certainly is. Um, but they might be that team that's just, you know, kind of quarterfinal cannon fodder. That's that's where I'm hoping the growth is, is that they can take on, you know, a team. Uh, again, it's probably going to be either Sweden or Team USA or Russia. Um they're, they're going to have to step it up. They're really going to have to put together a team performance and, and come together if they hope to get into the semifinal. And I think that should be their goal. Um, a player to watch for me and, and one that could potentially get them there, Jan Mishak, the Montreal Canadiens pick. Uh, he's been fantastic this year. I mean, he was fantastic last year as well. Uh, this is a guy that can be your game breaker. This is the guy that maybe he gets you two goals and an assist in a crucial game. And again, you know, he has to be sort of the leader of that offense and that team in general. So if Meshach has a, you know, a huge tournament, maybe the Czechs can break through. It's, it's funny seeing him play, Meshach play for Hamilton because when you look at it, it's, it's a Montreal Canadiens prospect. And, of course, there was a long tie between the Bulldogs and the Montreal Canadiens. It almost feels right. True. Um, but this is a team, when you look at it, it's, I don't love their depth. I don't think they're, they're in games where they're going to be grinded down. It's, it's probably going to not be a lot of fun for them. But they've got these game breakers, these big guys who can really kind of take control of this team. And the... Again, we, they, they kind of have this problem of getting us out of the quarterfinals, but they, they have these guys that, you know, maybe we'll see a hat-trick out of yeah, Meshach one game, and that's that's a game-changer. Yeah, and you know what? I think the round robin's going to be crucial for them because they're going to get a couple of really good tests in Canada and Finland. And I think for them, the goal should be playing those games with an eye to the quarterfinals. So when you're playing against Canada in particular, 
you want to try to lock it down as best possible. I mean, obviously, you never want to get blown out, but you know, a good game for the Czechs, and and we've seen this a couple of times in recent years where you know they lose like two to one mm-hmm. instead of you know five to four, for example, or seven to four. Um, I, I think if they can lock it down against Canada and and even Finland, if they can play sort of a close game against Finland. Then you go into that quarterfinal matchup with confidence and say, okay, well, we we have a strategy that we think can get us to the promised land. And we do have, you know, a guy like Meshach. And even I would say Juracek has some pretty fantastic offense Mm -hmm. to his game as a defenseman where, hey, if we need to push this to overtime or if we need this to be, you know, a game that's tied late and we need a goal, we do have some options. Yeah, so this is a Czech team that might get lucky in, in a quarterfinal matchup if the, the, the team on the group of death, if, if Sweden, Russia, Finland, or Sweden, Russia, USA kind of just beat each other up, maybe they get a little bit lucky. But I guess, yeah, this is a team that's, I think we're just saying quarterfinals, and that's kind of just where I'm axing it at. So. Yeah. All right, Team Finland, a team that I guess for years we've always talked about them being like this team that either wins or comes like seventh. Yeah. But I think we've kind of got past that point now. It does feel like Finland's consistency has elevated. and It's not as much fun, though. <laughs> it's not as much. Yeah, it's kind of fun when you know, when the, they fire their coach in the first week of the tournament. Uh, not fun for them, of course. But amusing for us neutral well, observers. It was funny, like the, they when they had to go play Latvia in the, the round robin or the the preliminary relegation, relegation round, yep. and, and it's like I remember reading online. It was just like the organizers were like like desperately trying to get access to the camera so they could like show the games in Finland because they didn't expect to be showing relegation games. For sure, yeah. Uh, I, I'm not concerned about that this year. Good. I think they'll be fine. Uh, this is a veteran squad. Mm-hmm. You know, they have. Returnees at every position. Now, Joel Blomqvist, the goaltender and Pittsburgh Penguins prospect, didn't actually play last year in the tournament, but he was there. And having that experience, I think, really helps just sort of open your eyes for when you do become a more important part of the team. And I would expect him to be pretty important. Um, you know, they have a, a bunch of returning defensemen, Ruben Rafkin, Emil Vero, uh, and then a the player I'm going to talk about at the end is my player to watch. Uh, up front, they've got a bunch of returnees as well. Uh, Brad Lambert, of course, the 2022 draft pick, uh, was there last year, and I would expect him to be pretty important, especially because it feels like he has a lot to prove mm-hmm. based on his slow start um, locally, uh, playing back in, in Finland. But, I mean, this is going to be a hard team to play against because, you know, they know what they're doing. They have a lot of weapons. You know, it, It's kind of them in Canada Mm -hmm. and then the rest of that pool. Um, So, you know, Canada's going to have to be careful at the end of the round robin because, you know, Finland, I mean, they've pulled off quote-unquote upsets before. They're called the pesky Finns for a reason. They're called the pesky Finns for a reason. That's right. And, uh, you know, the player to watch for me, Topi Niemela, the defenseman, uh, Toronto Maple Leafs pick. He was fantastic last year at the Mm -hmm. tournament, and I would expect more of the same. You're going to see a lot of points. You're probably going to see a lot of minutes. Uh, This is a kid that can really impact the game at both ends of the ice, and he he really is that sort of modern prototypical defenseman. Um, So, you know, he knows what's up. He knows how to have success in this tournament. And, you know, for me, the Finns are a team to watch because we know, you know, they can upset higher seeds, 
throughout and they can just sort of push through tournaments we've seen it at every level um, not just the world juniors but world championships as well so uh, yeah another edition of the pesky fins but i would say it's kind of an elite pesky fins yeah that's yeah, that's pretty much the best way of putting it. Uh, one guy to, to ask about, though, Brad Lambert in spe- uh, particular, if you don't know that story, he's got Canadian roots, but he plays for Finland. But you couldn't tell when you talked to him. He's very Canadian-sounding. For sure. Um, it, it, this is someone that we've talked about on the show before, and he, we, we've seen him play really well at the international terms. We've seen other times where he's just kind of not been there at all. When you're looking at him now, what type of tournament are you expecting from him? Well, I'd like to see a breakthrough tournament. And, you know, he doesn't have to be the guy because they have Robbie Arventi and Roni Hervinen and a bunch of other, you know, veteran guys. Uh, but Brad Lambert, I mean, he's a dynamic player when he's on top of his game. He's a great skater. Uh, he's got a pretty good frame. And, you know, we've seen him produce in the past. So this is a great opportunity for him. And I think he'll seize it. I, I, I think this is a kid with a pretty good head on his shoulders. And he's competitive. So I, I think it'll be fun to watch. All right, we're going to switch to Team Russia. And this is one where it's just, it's funny. Yan Kuznetsov, except yep. he didn't make it. Um, Took wh- an L on that one. Why uh, is he, if you pick up the best Russian team, he's there and he's yep. playing a key role. So I guess when you're looking at this team, and if I'm correct, every single player shoots left. Like they don't have a I have heard that. They literally don't have a right-handed shooter. I've never heard of that before. Yeah. And we, there's a lot of talk about Canada not having a right-handed defenseman. To mm-hmm. me, I don't care about that. But look at this. It's like, okay, that's kind of weird. You do need to have these guys who can be able to shoot from everywhere. Is is this the best? Well, I know the answer. The answer is no. Yeah. But I guess, what is with this Russian team this year? Well, okay. So Russia controversially took no players from North America. They went with an all-local cast. And, you know, the big question is, did they do themselves a disservice? Because Jan Kuznetsov yes. is their <laughs> best defenseman. I mean, he's, he's an amazing shutdown guy. He's physical. You know, he's already been playing in the AHL. He was recently assigned to St. John in the queue, uh, but he was playing against men. And, uh, you know, the Calgary Flames have been pretty happy with his development. Um, so he's not going to be there. Daniel Cheka, uh, the Vegas uh, Golden Knights pick, he's not going to be there either. And, you know, Cheka wasn't great last year. He kind of got usurped by Kirill Kursanov, who will be at the tournament because he still plays in Russia. But, you know, this defense core, I'm, I'm just worried that, you know, in the interest of sort of national or local pride, the, the Russians kind of, you know, cut off their nose to spite their face. Uh, because, I, I, you know, no Mattye Petrov, no Daniel Gushkin up front. And, you know, I mean, you can argue either way. I, I think they're going to be fine offensively with Chabrikov and Kuznetsov and uh, obviously Mattye Mishkov, who we'll talk about later in the mm-hmm. podcast. You know, I, I mean, they're going to be good. Um, but are they going to be the best team they could have been? And my worry is that the defense that they brought might get caved in by some of the bigger opponents. Now, my player to watch, uh, since Kuznetsov's not there, uh, Yaroslav Askarov. I was going to ask, yeah. The Nashville Predators pick. This will be his third World Juniors as starter, which is incredibly rare. Um, it's been a roller coaster in the pr- first two tournaments. See, statistically, it's not terrible, but you got to need the context. Yeah. That's when it gets a little different. Exactly. It's those certain games that they needed him to be good that he wasn't. Um, is this the year that Askarov becomes that total fortress in net that brings Russia to the gold medal game? Obviously, that should be the expectation mm-hmm. for Russia because they are an elite program. Can they get there with the team they brought? That's the 
million dollar question. Did you see the uh, Soviet throwback jerseys Russia's Channel One Cup team wear? Pretty sweet. Yeah. Pretty sweet. Kind of weird, but pretty sweet. <laughs> yeah, I would love to see them do that more. And let me throw this out there now. Russia hosts the World Juniors next year. I think they should do the CCCP Pavel Bure era World Junior jersey as a throwback. Okay. That'd okay. Be, that'd be pretty sweet. That's that's not a bad idea. It's Again, it seems kind of weird they would throw back to something that doesn't exist anymore, but, you know, it, it is what it is. Hey, um, Carolina does it with Hartford. No, that, that's that's the French. Well, okay, yeah. I guess it's kind of, yeah. That's not a country, but I, I get <laughs> it. It kind of makes sense. It's whale country. But, yeah, with, with Askarov in, in particular, it's like you look at him and, and you know there's so much talent. I mean, he hasn't played a ton this year. He's kind of been split between a couple levels. And uh, maybe if he wasn't playing on a Scott St. Petersburg team, maybe he'd be playing a lot more full-time KHL. And I guess there's been some people, we, we did get one question that was asked, the fact that he isn't playing a lot in the KHL when guys like Vasilevsky were doing a lot at the same age, does that concern you? Or to me, it doesn't because, like, look at the team he's playing. He's playing on a stacked team with really good goaltending. Yeah. Uh, they don't need him to play. And it's not the KHL is not exactly known for developing their young players well. No. They're, they kind of just want to win. Yeah. And, you know, for Askarov, because he's been in this tournament twice before – he knows what to expect now. And it's kind of funny. It's it's almost been unfair to him that we've expected him to be incredible when he was, you know, kind of an underager in a tournament that's usually, you know, dominated by 19-year-olds. This is the year that you would expect him to be, like, the guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The fact that he's been the guy for two years is a credit to how good he was early on. But to me, this is the year where if he can be that Spencer Knight uh, for Russia— that you know Spencer Knight was for Team USA last year. That's kind of what they need from him. What are you expecting from this team? I feel like this is a team that probably gets knocked out in the semifinal, um, and then you know, I mean, the Russia's always they play for medals, so I wouldn't be surprised if they won bronze. Um, but you know what? If they're not careful. You know, they might have to play Finland in the quarterfinal in the crossover, and that could be trouble for them. If they don't make it to the final, they'd be like, darn, we wish we had Jan Kuznetsov. Exactly. All right, Team Sweden. Uh, this is a team that uh, that curse is finally done. The, 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 every year it's like, oh, wow, we won every single game in the round robin, and they did nothing. Okay, so that part's over. Yeah. Now they can focus. And it's kind of like I brought it up once before. And it's like how much do you think those players actually like are thinking that? Because it's a new group every year. It's not mm-hmm. like, like the group from 2018 is thinking what happened in 2015. It's, yeah. it's totally different groups. But um, now that the pressure's kind of off their backs, do you kind of see them being able to kind of come out in a big way here? Well, it's funny because you make a great point that, you know, they had that great round robin run. Does it weigh on the players? It's hard to say because there is so much They know turnover. about it. And it's they know about it's it covered, sure. but it's like, is it really like important? Yeah. I almost feel like the the problem with Sweden was that they would they they would win the round robin and then they would get to the medal round and face adversity kind of for the first time and they wouldn't be prepared for it. Um this year, because they're going to play Team USA and Russia, I think you know they're obviously going to be battle tested, and you know they've they've had that a couple of times before, um, and obviously last year they got beaten in the round robin. Um, I, I that's I mean that's the big question is can they finally break through for gold? You know the last time was in Calgary, 
basically a decade ago. Um, I mean, they do have the players. They have three excellent goaltenders. They got Jesper Wallstead, Jesper Vickman, and Callie Klang. So no shortage of options there. They could play any of those guys and then could be the starter. I, I think it's probably going to be Klang, uh, maybe Wallstead. Hard to say. I think it's probably who's ever hottest at the time. But they get William Eklund. They have Simon Edvinson. They get Oscar Olison. So they've got a really good cast there. And, of course, um, the player to watch for me, Alexander Holtz, loaned out by the New Jersey Devils. Recently, too. Very recently, yeah. Uh, you know, was excellent in Utica uh, for the Comets this year. Um, Holtz has yet to have a statement tournament at the World Juniors. This will be his third. And, again, it was impressive that he was there the first time. Last year, it was kind of like, ah, I'd like a little more from mm-hmm. you offensively. This is the year that I want Alex Holtz to have, like, at least 10 points in this tournament because he's capable of doing so. And if you can get him hot and you have Allison, you have Eklund, you have a great supporting cast, you have a pretty solid defense, you have great goaltending, there's no reason why the Swedes can't play for gold. Now it's just a matter of can you execute? Can you get to a semifinal and beat a Canada or a Russia or USA? Um, that to me is the the big sort of X factor for Sweden. Can they finally do it? So I now just just remember. So did you say did you believe Dawson Mercer was going to make the Devils uh, out of camp this year or before this, before camp began? You know what? I'm not sure if I made a statement on that. I'm a huge Dawson Mercer I, fan. I remember you saying on Twitter to someone that you said like you thought that he had a good shot at it. I kind of thought he needed one more year, mm. and I was really kind of thinking like Holtz could be that like underdog Calder Trophy, and then mm. kind of been switched. Like yeah, because <laughs> the thing with Dawson Mercer, I, I might have said that because the thing with Dawson Mercer is he can play up and down your lineup. Yeah. And that's the great thing. He's so versatile. He's so versatile. Whereas with Alex Holtz, you need him to be in a shooter's role. Yeah. So when you look at, like, we we probably didn't expect Holtz and uh, Eklund to be on this team even a couple months ago based off the fact that they both kind of started playing the NHL and stuff. Mm. Um, Man, Detroit, don't be cowards. Send Lucas Raymond. (laughs) Let's get one more year (laughs) of that. Might be a little late. Uh, He's also a little busy doing really well. Um, So to me, this actually feels like... if I'm not picking Canada to win gold, I'm picking Sweden. Yeah, I think that's fair. And, you know, that's the great thing about the World Juniors now is there's legitimately five teams that could always win. Uh, now, the problem is that because there's five teams and eight make the medal round, one of them always gets knocked out in the quarterfinal. Yeah. So I think this is a year where Sweden can do it. I just need to see them do it. That's the thing is like we, we talked about the their streak of round robin dominance kind of coming to an end, but I can legitimately see them winning all the games in the round robin again this year. It's true. It, yeah, it, I mean they are that good, and if they, it's funny. It's like if they win all the round robin games, I don't think we should like be like, uh oh, you know, now they're gonna get over again. You know, it's, it's it's a kind of a new era for them and and yeah. for the management, for the coaching staff, and everyone who's been involved in that program before. It's a new start, mm. so I'm okay with that. Let's talk about the United States. Yeah, so again, you know, a medal contender for sure. The big X factor for me is goaltending. Uh, yeah, obviously last year they had Spencer Knight, so it's like, no worries, we're good here. And Dustin Wolf was the backup. Like, that's a pretty darn good backup. Yeah, really. great backup there in Dustin Wolf. Uh, this year, Drew Camesso, uh, the Chicago Blackhawks pick and Boston University starter, is the guy heading in. And I know Team USA legitimately had trouble figuring out who else 
to invite to camp. Um, so Camesso, he's just, you know, it's not, it hasn't been a good year for the Terriers. Camesso's just been all right. Well, speaking of Camesso, did you see the, uh, I think it was the Belleville Senators tweeted out that Camesso was going to be their, uh, one of their backup, their, like a backup goalie last week when Matt Murray got hurt, but it's like, Wrong, Camasso. Oh, really? They, they, but they tweeted out, said it was this guy, oh, and then no. it's like, oh, sorry, like two hours later, that's not the right guy. Never mind. <laughs> uh, I did not see that. That's pretty funny. I bet there was a lot of uh, terrified Boston University compliance. Drew officers. was probably confused. <laughs> Drew himself was probably very confused. Um, I do like Drew Camasso. I've seen him steal games before, so I think he has that capability. And he's going to have a great team in front of him. Like mm-hmm. that defense core, you know, from Jake Sanderson and Brock Faber to Luke Hughes, I mean, they've got weapons on the back uh, and responsible guys on the back as well. And then up front, you got Matty Beneers. Um, you know, you got a couple of returning guys, uh, you know, like Brett Berard, like Landon Slaggart, who, you know, they're just kind of like pro kids. You know, they're sort of more energy guys, even though Berard has been playing on the top line. Um, but, you know, they've got returnees, so they've got some weapons. It's a, it's a, I wouldn't say this is the best Team USA squad we've seen, but it's still a really good one. And if they get the goaltending, they are a threat for gold. Uh, and we always expect them to be that, but we're looking at this team, and it, it's – Last year, I think, was kind of a great way for that that U.S. national development team group that had Zegris, that had Kirk Caulfield. Caulfield. Yeah. Like, all those guys, Spencer Knight, like, that was a, kind of the great way for that to go in. But mm-hmm. when you're looking at this kind of next crop of guys that came through the program, are you, uh, it's it's not the same, but are you still liking them? I mean, I'm still liking them. And, you know, my player to watch is Matty Beniers, uh, the Seattle Kraken pick. Obviously, at the University of Michigan, having a great year. I mean, he is their guy this year. And... It's a, you know it's it's tough because Thomas Bordelow can't play at the tournament. He would have been a crucial center for them as well. Uh, it does open things oh, up for Logan Cooley. He really has. two years two years in a row that he's had to miss the tournament. Um, so a big blow for them. Depth down the middle. I, I don't I, I don't think I'm worried because I'm a big Logan Cooley fan, and also I think that Red Savage uh, is so good on faceoffs mm-hmm. that as a bottom six center. He could really have a nice impact for them. Um, yeah, this isn't this isn't a Zegers Caulfield kind of offense, but I think they're still going to be fine. Um, and I think they could really come together as a team because they have a lot of ex NTDP kids on this squad, so there's a lot of familiarity. And you know, I was on a conference call with Logan Cooley the other day, and he was saying it's great because he can go to the older guys and be like, hey, you were NTDP, you know, like, what do you remember about being at the program? It's like, oh, yeah, I know that too, you know. So it's like, I think there's going to be a lot of good chemistry on this team. And and for me, I don't like to focus a lot on the coaching, but Nate Lehman's a really well-respected coach yes. and someone who gets a lot out of his guys when they're maybe not the favorites. Yeah, and you know what? It's, it's not sexy to talk about on a podcast, but coaching for me is one of the biggest factors in this tournament. Yeah, oh yeah. Finland knows. <laughs> Finland knows, yeah. Um, you know, Russia knows it. Canada certainly knows it as well because Canada's had some great coaches and they've had some total duds. Um, but Nate Lehman, you know, we know what he can deliver. And you talk to players and they say, you know, he's just a great coach. He gets everybody on the same page. Everybody knows their role. Everybody knows their buy-in. And that's an underrated factor for Team USA is that they are, have a great mind behind the bench. 
speed of coaches of Canada. Uh, Andre Tourney was a lot of fun to watch. I kind of just my way of picturing it in a non-COVID year that after a, like a game, if after a win, he's got a cigar, he's doing like cannonballs in the like the hotel pool. He just having a fun time enjoying the experience. Interesting. He just looks so happy all the time. He, sure. He was always fun to talk to, and it's like he was really good with the media. So yeah. it's almost kind of a shame he's in Arizona where there's just not that same media presence mm. that, that you kind of would expect. But uh, I think that he's a uh, he's he's a good coach and. And now it's Dave Cameron who's running the team. Mm-hmm. Speaking of Canada, let's talk about Team Canada. Yes, let's talk about Team Canada. I mean, obviously, they go in as the odds-on favorites. Uh, the big storyline is the all-lefty decor, yep. uh, which is pretty interesting. <laughs> and why is that? Why is that? Well, I will tell you, Stephen, uh, because they did not bring Brant Clark, the LA Kings first-rounder, to camp. Uh, and then, of course, they eliminated the, the couple of players uh, that were righty shots. Uh, Jack Thompson, unfortunately, couldn't come because of COVID protocols, so that eliminated one player right there, and Vince Iorio just didn't make the team. Um, you know, having said that, it's it's a pretty impressive decor. Um, my player to watch is Owen Power, obviously the Gee. first overall pick <laughs> by the Buffalo Sabres at the University of Michigan. Um, Owen Power and Caden Gooley, the Montreal Canadiens pick, those are the big guys on defense. Um, they're going to be very similar to Sanderson and Faber with Team USA, where one of them's probably going to be on the ice pretty much the whole game, uh, if the other one's not. So you're going to see a lot of power. You're going to see a lot of ghoulie. But then you've got you know guys like Ryan O'Rourke and Donovan Sobrango with AHL experience. Uh, I think Canada is very interesting because it's, once again, going to be a heavy team, a mobile team. Uh, I really like their goaltending. I think in the end it's going to be Sebastian Kosa and Nett, but they do have Dylan Garand, uh, who has been a Hockey Canada favorite over the years. Uh, even though he hasn't actually played too much in the tournament, mm-hmm. uh, he's a New York Rangers pick, and his Kamloops team has been amazing this season and he's been a big part of that so goaltending i think they've got several good options there uh brett brochu's the third and he's been nothing but great for london uh even though he's undersized and then of course you have the firepower up front well actually uh, before you go to that this is the goaltending it's like when you look at that it's like grant actually has the better numbers but it, it's like true. and it's not like there's like the age difference it's yeah there was a one-year draft difference but because was just a he's a late, late birthday yeah. so it's pretty close between those two. It certainly is. For me personally, I can't say no to six foot six. No, for sure. <laughs> and we looked. But that's at my personal year. bias. And, and for as good as Devin Levi played last year, you watch how he played in that final game. He was getting beat up high, and the U.S. knew how to do exactly. that. Exactly. Yeah, because yeah, and we've we've had this conversation before. Short goalies will always break your heart. Fitting because <laughs> Because eventually you're going to have to face Trevor Zegers, and uh, <laughs> and he's going to put it over your shoulder. Yeah. Um, but you know what? Clearly, NCAA shooters have not caught on to that because Devin Levi has more shutouts than uh, losses this year. Buffalo fans are excited. Yeah. Last year, Florida fans are excited. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. So Canada. I mean, you know, we're going to talk about a couple of uh, other, their other players uh, later on uh, when it comes to draft players to watch and and just sort of overall players to watch in the tournament. But yeah, I mean, they've got a stacked lineup. Uh, they're big. They're fast. They're talented. They're two way. You know, this is a team that should win gold. It's going to be hard. It's not going to be a cakewalk for sure. But they have all the components. All right, this is a fun group. We will be talking with a few of the other players, but I want to kind of transition and look at the 2022 draft. Mm. Um, 
there's a couple of really good players. Obviously, that's the next draft. We've been talking about the 2022 draft for a while. We're looking, okay, 2021 is okay, but 2022 is much better, and 2023 is going to be really good. Mm-hmm. So who are the guys you're watching to watching for in the 2022 draft? Okay, so we'll I also hate saying that, 2022. 2022. Yeah, we'll talk about three guys here. Uh, we've already mentioned a couple of them just going through the teams, uh, but right off the hop, Shane Wright, sort of the consensus number one pick, uh, OHL Kingston, playing for Team Canada, was captain of the world under 18 squad went through amazing adversity uh not only did he have a flu at one point but he also like broke a bone in his foot or his ankle and actually got like a guard made for him like within a day so he could return and play yeah. uh, so he was one of their top scorers even though he played five of the seven games Shane Wright uh you know he's the kind of guy that you win with because he's such a good two-way player and he really heated up for Kingston in the last sort of couple of weeks before he left for camp so I expect him to make a big impact on Canada. It might not be the splashiest impact, but he's the kind of guy that you put out in the last minute of a game if you're down a goal or if you're up a goal. Yeah, I was going to say, like, like with, with Wright, it's, you're looking at it, it's, we know he's going to be the, the likely the first pick in the draft, yeah. and, and that alone should bring a lot of attention, but he's still kind of an underage player at this tournament. And Very true. There's, and we, we know that Canada will typically rely a lot on the older players and the experienced guys. So we've seen it with, like, Quinton Byfield in the past and, and even Lafreniere in his first tournament. It's like we know how good this guy is going to be, but mm. – it's it, they might not explode at this tournament. Sure, and that's fine. You know, I you know I think back to like when Nathan McKinnon played at the World yes. Juniors, where he didn't have a huge role, but they knew that they could play him up and down the lineup. Mm-hmm. Um, so he made his contributions there. I think Shane Wright, you know, most like he's going to have a scoring role uh, as a center. I think you look at Mason McTavish and Shane Wright as your top two centers, mm-hmm. and it's like you don't even really have to call a first line, second line. They're just. They're two, lines. They're two first lines, really, you know, no matter who they play even, with. Even in a case like a lot, like we've seen in the past where the third line could often be Canada's best line. It, exactly. it doesn't really matter. Yeah, like Phil Tomasino was a bit player on last Thir- year's 13 team. forward to start, and he was like exactly. outstanding. Yeah. He would play eight minutes and have two points. You know, it's just, But you have to do that if you want to win gold, and you have to have that buy-in and sort of play whatever role that you're given. And that's very important in these World Junior Tournaments. So Shane Wright, I think he's going to be an impact player at both ends uh, and very fun to watch. Second player I'm going to mention is Logan Cooley, who for me right now, um, I, I kind of feel like he might be the number two prospect in the draft. It's hard to argue right now. It's hard to argue against him. He's been so good for the NTDP. Uh, Team USA needs him because, as we just mentioned, no Thomas Bordelow. So they need a second-line center behind Matty Beneers. I think Cooley can be that guy. And, you know, he's an elite skater. You know, he makes players around him better. He's To me, what I like about him is that he uses his speed at both ends. So he creates turnovers and then turns them into instant offense. So I'm very excited about Cooley. He still has a step to take because he's going to get stronger, you know, in the next couple of years. And I was just talking to a scout about him the other day, and he's like, we haven't even seen the pop yet. Mm -hmm. He's already great. He's going to be even better once he gets some more lower body strength. So Logan Cooley, very fun to watch. Third 2022 player I'm going to mention here, Joachim Kamel from Team Finland. Uh, He's been the talk of Finland this year because he's been so hot, been such a great shooter, and he does have that lethal release. You know, we've seen him in international play before, and, you know, early on, it was sort of like, okay, this kid's good. 
you know, he's getting his opportunities. He's not putting up a lot of points, but you can tell that he goes to the right places and he's got a great shot. He just needs a bit of puck luck. Well, the puck luck is here. We've seen it all year in Finland. He's been fantastic. I think at the World Juniors, uh, he could be a real weapon for them. And I almost feel like Kamel could be what we wanted from Alex Holtz okay. from Sweden, yeah. where it's like you see the potential, and it's like if he starts hitting the net and potting a couple, it's going to be like a runaway train. Kamel, we've already seen it in Finland this year. I think we could totally see it at this tournament too. All right, let's talk 2023. This is the draft that maybe at least at the front end right now. It, we, we always hear a lot of hype for drafts down the line. There's a lot of talk already about 2024 looking pretty solid. Maybe not 2023 level, but um, there's still that brand new hype, I guess, going up. Yeah. But that being said, and, and think about it, we're going to be seeing Adam Fantilli probably on Canada next year. He's not there this year. It's true. And that's going to make that a little more fun. But when you're looking at this now, who are the 2023 players to watch at this tournament? Okay, well, it's going to be a super fun one. And we start off with Connor Bedard, uh, who, to me, he's the first overall pick and has been for quite a while now. You know, this is a kid that led Canada in scoring at the World Under-18s. And what I like the most about Bedard is you can tell that he kind of gets this look in his eyes sometimes where it's like, I'm scoring right now. Mm -hmm. It's like, Mm -hmm. I am mad that I haven't scored yet. I'm scoring right now. We saw it in the gold medal game against Russia uh, where he played against the kid we'll talk about next. Uh, But Connor Bedard, it's going to be so fun because, yes, he's like a double underager, maybe even a triple underager. Uh, I don't really use those terms too much. but They're eligible. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. What's intriguing to me is that Connor Bedard, let's say he's on Canada's third line. How many teams have a third line that can match up against Connor Bedard? Well, he's looking like right now he's lining up as the 13th forward. And then again, how like you if you're throwing him in on your fourth line or your third line, yeah, it's like you can't beat that. And this is a guy that Dave Cameron kind of after the, his second game, and he had like two or three points in that, he's like, yeah, he, just, he wasn't as good as the first game. It's like, okay, is that just going to be their way of like, well, we didn't pick him for this team, and look at this quote. That's why. We didn't think right, he was great right. this game. Well, six points, no one had more than two. Yeah, You kind of had to put him there. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah, again, even if he's used sparingly, this would be a fantastic opportunity for him to see what the World Juniors are like. Now, this strikes me as a kid that is afraid of no stage. He just – he lives up to the moment. And again, so what I see is a player where, yeah, okay, maybe he only plays 8, 10, 11 minutes a game, but he could have a goal in all those games because he's going to get some favorable matchups. Uh, you know, maybe you eventually even see him on the second power play unit because he's just instant offense. Mm-hmm. He's a highlight real player mm-hmm. and he finds ways to score that most players just don't think about. Second player, uh, his big competition in 2023, Matye Michkov, the MVP of the world under 18s. He was amazing for Russia. He's been amazing this year for Russia. Um, you know, already played internationally for the men's team. Youngest player ever to do so. Younger than Ovechkin, younger than Tretiak. Um, very similar to Bedard in that he's so creative and so good mm-hmm. at creating offense. I think he'll have maybe a slightly bigger role on Team Russia. Uh, than Bedard will with Canada, but I'm I'm just really excited because this kid, you know, he's competitive, and I think we're going to see a decent amount of points from him. He's going to be very dangerous. Um, so yeah, for North America, we got to wait because he's got that big contract with SKA St. Petersburg. But having said that, I'm super excited to see him in person. If you were betting, 
How much money would you put on him scoring a Michigan in this tournament? You know what? <laughs> I would be putting. I, that's like even odds. Because like <laughs> when Russia plays against like you know uh, Switzerland, for example, yeah, he's totally trying it. I mean, actually, you know what? That'll be fun to see. How many Michigans do we see in this tournament? Yeah, and we've talked about that before. It's like there, there's just so much more skill that we're seeing throughout the, the years. And we look at what Zegers did. Yeah. And Sonny Milano alone is like this incredible like puck handler, stick handler yep. guy. Um, so you're seeing like what guys like that are trying now in the NHL. And it's all these younger guys, and maybe the older guys won't bother trying it. But it's like they've just been watching YouTube videos their whole lives of yep. guys doing this and, and stuff. Like it's it's just it makes sense. So and it's a legitimate tactic because. You know, defenses, yeah, goalies, they have, then they got to stand up, then they're not in their, you know, reverse VH or whatever. Uh, defensemen have to honor it now. So you can't just wait for the guy to try to come out from behind the net because then it's too late. Um, so, yeah, I, I think Mitch Goff will definitely try it. I think he'll definitely succeed. He, he uh, hasn't failed, I think. I think he's, he's actually got 100% success rate on his attempts. Well, there you go. Uh, third player we'll talk about, another fantastic shooter, Dalibor Dvorsky from Slovakia. Shout out to Tony Ferrari who calls him Daladope. Nice. It doesn't really make sense because there's no second D in his first name, so it's not like it's a play on words, but anyway. It's cool. We'll let him have it. Uh, Dvorsky, another player that was out on that Holinka Gretzky team and was fantastic, put up a ton of points. Great release. Uh, and he's going to have weapons around him, which is always nice. Um, so I think he's going to have some fun playing for Slovakia. And again, this is a player that he would actually expect it to be popping next year or even the year after that. But he's pretty advanced and he's having a fantastic year over in Europe. Uh, so real fun player to watch and excited to see him. Just, it just came to my head also just thinking about past World Juniors for a second, thinking about uh, Justin Pogge watching him play. It was kind of weird looking at his stats. I know this is completely unrelated to 2023. These guys were definitely not watching Justin Pogge at that point. Um, but he, he played in the 2006 World Juniors and the 2006 Spangler Cup, which is funny because usually the Spangler Cup and the World Juniors are at the same time, but it's right. because it was the World Juniors ended in 06, and it was technically started in 05. Oh, right. So it's Fair like, enough. that was kind of funny. He played terrible against Russia in the first Channel 1 Cup game. I, I don't know if, if he can't, the NHL doesn't go to Olympics. I don't think he's the starter. Um, it would be Fukali if I was making the decision. Right. Uh, all right, so that's the two drafts. Let's talk about the three players overall you keep an eye on. Yeah, so, I mean, we've mentioned a ton of guys already, and I've tried to stay away from these players just before this segment. Uh, starting with Mason McTavish for Team Canada, you know, started the year with the Anaheim Ducks, uh, was sent back to junior, but we saw him at the World Under-18s last year. You know, his size and his skill are so imposing that he's really hard to get a beat on if you're one of his peers. You know, at, for his age... He's just so advanced. I think he's going to be a difference maker for Canada. And as we mentioned, him and Shane Wright are kind of the top two centers. So it's sort of a pick your poison. It's like, do you put your best guy on mm -hmm. McTavish or do you put your best guy on Wright? Then you have your second best guy on the other one, and that's going to open them up. So I think McTavish is poised to have a big tournament. And I think Canada needs him to have a big tournament. Mm -hmm. He kind of needs to lead by example. Great hair, by the way. Yes, he had great hair last year. Uh, second player we did mention is Jake Sanderson from Team USA, mm -hmm. uh, the returning defenseman, University of North Dakota, Ottawa Senators pick. He has taken such a big step offensively this year in the NCAA that I'm very excited to see his contributions. There it is. Boom. Well, he's on the cover, too. There he is. Yeah, several times. You know, we knew he was a great defender, uh, very mobile. He's got good size. 
good NHL pedigree, but his offensive game has really taken a big leap this year. So he's going to be a threat every time he's out on the ice for Team USA. Uh, so I think he's going to be a huge difference maker. And the final player, bit of a dark horse candidate for me here, but Fabian Lysel, the Boston Bruins pick for Sweden. I'm picking him because his speed is so intimidating, and when he finishes – he can be a huge X factor. We mm-hmm. talked about Sweden going for gold, and we talked about guys like Eklund and Olsson, and uh, you know, of course, they got guys like Niederbach as well, and then they got Edmondson on the back end. But if Fabian Lysel can run wild, that's going to be a big matchup problem for teams playing against the Trey Kroner. So he's kind of like my player to watch X factor. If Fabian Lysel has a big tournament, Sweden could be real trouble for everybody else. All right, and so that's that, but I want to get, before we close this off, your medal predictions. Okay, so my medal predictions, I'm going to say Canada for gold, Finland for silver, Hmm. Team USA for bronze. I think uh, the way the tournament works, you know, there's certain teams that don't really like playing for the bronze medal, but, you know, Team USA, I think they could pull it off this year. Um I just feel like Russia, they might hit a speed bump somewhere. But Canada and Finland, game probably. <laughs> maybe. I, I almost feel like there's something. Part of me says they're a quarterfinal casualty. Okay. But who knows? Um, Sweden doesn't typically play for bronze, so I could see them losing it to Team USA. Uh, so I'm going to go Canada, Finland, Team USA. See, it's, it's like if Canada comes first in their group and Finland comes second, that means Russia, Sweden, USA. One of those teams have to play who comes second, yes. in that case, Finland. So like that's not an easy no. quarterfinal matchup. For me, I'm going Canada for gold. Uh, I, I'm... Am I shooting myself in the foot by picking Sweden? Um, mm-hmm. I'm going to go Sweden. I really just feel like this year they've just they've got the maturity of the team. They've got some yep. pretty good uh, older players, and I like their goaltending loss. I'm going to go there, yep. and then I'm going to go with the Americans. I think if if they if it comes down to them versus Finland or them versus Russia, you know, in the bronze, I think they're going to try to. They they don't want to go from winning gold one year to not making a medal the year, right. and everyone wants a medal. But I feel yeah. like that's kind of where they push. And then I guess we're both going to go with the same team getting relegated in Austria. Yeah, I think this is it's Austria's year, but I will say Switzerland's got to look out. Okay, this is a, a tough one for Swiss fans. Uh, I, I I really hope not because for them because they they love their hockey, and I know there's been a lot of trouble with the the potential of the Spangler Cup. What was going to happen this year with that? It sounds like it's going to happen no problem, which is good. So uh, Swiss hockey fans need a break, and uh, having a tough tournament would not be it. Uh, that's it for this year's World Junior uh, Podcast. It's been a really good show. Uh, I can't wait. It's going to be really fun to get there. Yep. I hope the food's good. Uh, Edmonton is very cold around Christmas time. Uh, I, I used to live out in Alberta. I can tell you it's a, it's a cold place. Uh, thank you very much for watching. Of course, check out thehockeynews.com for all of our coverage. And we're going to be doing some more podcasts along the way. Mm-hmm.